WMQA. Hello and welcome to WMQA, the podcast where two best friends talk about comics with the people who make them. I'm Dan Grote. And I'm Matt Lazowitz. And this week's guest is the co creator of the image series That Texas Blood and the Aftershock One Shot Hell is a Squared Circle, Chris Condon. Welcome, Chris. Thank you very much for having me on. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. So uh, you've been busy on social media beating the drum for FOC for the third trade uh, for that Texas blood, Uh, you know, uh, telling people to pre-order from their local comic shop, especially when, you know, you're an indie book, obviously a very important part of the job. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was curious, though, you know, is pushing the trade any more or less of a bear than pushing single issues? Yeah. no, but the, the FOC is earlier than than uh, single issues, so that that's maybe part of it. Um, I think that at the end of the day, more people can potentially buy the trade than buy the the single issues, especially if you're like an indie, you know, um, you know, an indie story like ours. I mean, I think that more people find our our, our book if they're if they're reading the trade and we do have a lot of trade waiters so it's just a matter of actually telling those people like hey we're coming out and and making sure that they buy it but i mean it also translates into we have a lot of people asking us about like oh is there going to be a hardcover is there going to be was there going to be a deluxe edition and like the truth is like if if the numbers aren't there in the trades which you know is what you're shelling more money out for um chances of it's probably not going to be a hardcover um and and so that's part of it is just trying to prove to image because we want to do a hardcover mm-hmm. we had actually talked to image about doing a hardcover and there was some interest but um based on the, the sort of trajectory the economic trajectory of late um that was sort of scaled back a little bit so i you know beating the drum was a we want to have good sales just period we want to have good sales um and especially if it's the third volume you know if we could prove that there's the, the interest is still there we have consistent um uh, we do have consistent sales in our in our single issues um but if we could do that with trades as well that'd be amazing and it also again proves to image hey we're viable you know um maybe this is a good idea so that, that's really i mean and also yeah it's a big part of it's just telling people that it's coming out and we, we would like to have you know good sales numbers because i mean that if you know i mean jake does this for a living i do the this and some other things for money but like it, it would be great if i could just you know be a writer full-time you know so that's part of it is that um <laughs> Listeners, I mean, it it truly is what Scarface said. You know, first you get the floppies, then you get the soft cover trade, then you get the annotated hardcover omnibus. That's correct. That is exactly what Scarface said. (laughs) Ah, man. But uh, let's, you know, let's break the ice here. What are what are some of the first comics that you remember reading? Uh, The first comics that I remember reading? Well, I mean, I the like the first 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 comic I remember reading is probably um. Uh, I mean, I probably was introduced to comics through like Snoopy and Peanuts, um, probably. But I do remember in 1997, uh, the movie Batman and Robin was coming out. And if you went to Toys R Us and you bought, I I assume it was a Batman toy. And I was probably buying Batman toys anyway, because I'm me. (laughs) Um, You know, so whatever my, I was probably forcing my parents to take me and like to buy some sort of Batman toy or 
at least look at the expensive ones. <laughs> but um, they had like a deal where it was like where you, if you bought something, they gave you a free uh, copy of uh, it was a reprint of like either the first appearance of Poison Ivy, Mister Freeze, um, and probably Batman and Robin. I don't remember, but I I, I remember specifically having the the first Mister Freeze, which was Mister Zero, and that mm-hmm. kind of blew my mind that he was previously called something else. So like that sort of started the the, the whole, I, oh, there's something else out there, you know? And then it sort of came from that. But I mean, I was also lucky enough to have a, a town that had, I'm, I'm in a, from a small town, I'm from like two square miles. And um, I was lucky enough to have a comic shop in town at that time um, that I was able to go to and kind of just, go through the the 50 cent bin and the quarter bins and start buying stuff there because i you know i didn't make money i was a kid <laughs> um so the like the dollar bins were like i you know if i was spending a lot of money i'd go to the dollar bins you know <laughs> so, but i was just, it was just all about just you know collecting stuff and just really i wasn't even really reading full story arcs or anything i was just looking at the characters and it was a lot of daredevil and batman and but I remember seeing like posters for like Preacher on the wall and stuff and that, and that sort of being like, oh, what the hell is that? Like looked really dark and gritty and like sort of for verboten. <laughs> uh, you know, I was I was sort of intrigued by it. But yeah, I don't know. Batman, X-Men, Spider-Man, you know, the general uh, the general stuff I think that most people read is what I was, you know, attracted to and drawn to. Um, you know, there's nothing crazy about my comic book origin you know well uh let me let me ask you this and make my co-host uh either very happy or or feel uh impossibly old what do you remember your first batman like crossover event or like big story that you had to read the whole thing for uh i didn't read the whole thing but i remember hush coming out okay um and i remember being very attracted to the uh the jim lee covers mm-hmm. more than anything like i remember the poison ivy cover um i remember that i i bought the, i did buy the the jason todd corpse cover mm-hmm. which that again that was like so my parents never read comics so i was like still finding comics on my own and like but i remember i bought like some individual issues so i bought like the the joker one uh, which I, I remember the cover says like punchline or something on it which uh, came, came to fruition later yeah. on, thanks to James Tynan. Um, Not to be confused with uh, the actual character. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, yeah, Hush was a, a big one. And I, I didn't read the full story arc though. I didn't even, I don't even think that I thought, like, obviously like there, it's clearly like it's a continuing story, but I didn't think to myself like, oh, let me go back and like get the rest of the story. I was just like, really, I loved like the contained thing. Cause I, I grew up with Batman, the animated series. So it was like mm-hmm. one and done was kind of how I thought of it. I I think that carried over into comics until I, you know, really started like getting into things. I think the first that I actually read a full storyline of i'm trying to think because i i do know that i read i'm trying to i'm trying to remember exactly what i i don't know i don't know what the first that i actually read like the full storyline of but i remember hush remember yeah. Hush. No, that that's that's a good and i do remember being very excited when they brought uh chase and todd back because it blew my mind because i was like 
I was kind of obsessed with the idea of the the, the sort of mythology of a dead Robin, mm-hmm. you know, and and what that meant. So, and then when uh, they actually brought him back, that was interesting because I was like, oh, what you know, like what's going on with this? You know, because that was there was such a it was such a fun little tease in in Hush when Clayface, you know, impersonated mm-hmm. the dead Robin. All it took was uh, Superboy Prime punching a hole in reality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something as simple as that. Comics, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. It's just like, how do we explain this impossible thing? Oh, he just punched it. <laughs> now, apparently, in the annotations in the Infinite Crisis hardcover, apparently, originally, the plan had been for that to be the Jason of Earth three. Mm. Mm. That he would have been Deathstroke's Robin, or something like that, that and that never came about. And then they just decided Superboy punched the wall. So wait, isn't the Deathstroke of Earth three dead Deadpool? Yeah, but <laughs> it's it's okay. We don't need we don't need to go down that hole. That's not what we're here for. Yeah, no, no, no. no. <laughs> I'll just go back to turning to dust over here. Is the guy who started reading less than a year after Jason Todd actually died. <laughs> or actually, a little over here. Uh, but uh, the, one, one, one more for you before we get into the meat of the matter here. Sure. Uh, relevant to later in the discussion. What, what was your entry into pro wrestling? Oh, I mean, I just, I grew up with it. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't, uh, entry, I don't know where the entry was, but I mean, I grew up with WWE when okay, it was yeah. WF. Um, and was, I, I, I was aware of the sort of the, the shift to the Attitude Era. Cause I, I do okay. remember, I was very into like Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels and all those mm-hmm. guys like back in the day. And, you know, Undertaker, I remember when Kane debuted um and like was really excited about that because that was like the perfect meshing of the two worlds that i loved which is like comics and all that kind of stuff so it's like mm-hmm. oh it's like this guy from hell is like a wrestler it was like the coolest thing uh so probably that but it was you know it was exciting to i didn't really know about the monday night wars i didn't know about you know raw versus nitro and all sure. that but I did know that WCW was a thing and I knew that it was like this weird offshoot that I was like, I don't, it was like, it was like one of those things where it was like, I remember watching and being like, something's off. <laughs> like not really knowing what was going on, but it was like, this doesn't feel the same. And, mm-hmm. it, you know, I, I definitely enjoyed more of like the DX stuff and, and mm-hmm. all that. And, you know, I probably said some things and did some things in my youth that were like, didn't realize what I was doing until later because they introduced it to me on live so, television. So going around and telling people to suck it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And thrusting down. Yes. Into my loins. Yeah. Not, not great, but you know, I, I don't, I don't think my parents like that, but, <laughs> but they, they were, I think that they, they, they kind of saw it as, uh, the entertainment that it was, I guess, and they, they allowed us to watch it as much. That didn't allow us to watch it as much as they allowed my friend to watch it. When I went to my friend's house, that's where I was uh-huh. carte blanche. You know, we, we we go watch whatever. You know, and that was where I saw like R-rated movies for the first time. Like my parents were fairly like, you know, uh, not they weren't like 
religious or you know like you know overly like you know watchdogging us but they did kind of put their foot down my my mom did eventually like she rented um some r-rated movies for us you know when we were in high school when i think i was in middle school my brother's in high school just to be like here's what it is you know Uh uh-huh okay you know know, don't you know trying to make us not go like rabid uh so she she got us because she was i mean my parents are a little older so my mom remembered she saw when she was in her probably early 20s maybe mid 20s or whatever but she, uh night of living dead and she got night mm-hmm. of living dead okay um, night of living dead the exorcist texas chainsaw massacre um and there was another one and i forgot what it was but uh night of living dead i don't think she knew which one she got which she got that she got us the 90s one which was like so much worse <laughs> than the night of living dead from the 60s um Wait, I mean, was the I, 90s one the a... one that had like young mcconaughey and um renee zellweger in it or am i thinking of the wrong one that's texas. that's yeah that's texas chainsaw next generation which okay. is not a good movie but um <laughs> <laughs> but no she didn't get that one but uh night of living dead had tony todd in it mm-hmm. um but it's just it's in color and it's like graphic and i i think there's probably also nudity in it um you know so it's not exactly what my mom thought that she was getting us which is you know, Night of Living Dead is like it's definitely an intense movie, but it's also a movie that came out in 1968. So it's 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 got sort of it's it's sort of tame, you know, compared to what came later in in the 1990 version, mm-hmm. um, which Tom Savini direct, directed. So if you know Tom Savini, you, you'll know oh, that sure. it's just like it's over the top, um, <laughs> very intense. You know, a guy who experienced Vietnam and was like, I'm going to become a makeup effects artist. <laughs> All I can think of is that episode of The Simpsons where Bart is waiting for Homer to pick him up and the other kids are in the car. He's like, hey, Bart, we're going to go and sneak into an R-rated movie. Bart and Fink. Bart and (laughs) Fink. Bart and Fink. Yeah. Not not what they thought. I Uh, I forget what the reaction is when they come out of the movie theater, but I I remember being great. (laughs) (laughs) Good shit. Well, Let's let's start off uh, talking about that Texas Blood, uh, your image series with Jacob Phillips, which just released mm-hmm. its twentieth issue, or or will have by the time this airs, uh, yeah. with the third trade, as we mentioned, coming out in January. Uh, ask your local comic shop. But uh, you know, for, first of all, how how does that feel? You know, your your first comic series, and you've gone twenty issues so far. That's that's something. Yeah, I don't know how it happened, <laughs> but, <laughs> but we're here. I don't know. It's very surreal. It's it's very strange. I, I it's hard to quantify into words because uh, I I feel like it was literally yesterday that we were still sending out the pitch to everybody and you know getting a lot of no's and you know hoping to find a home for it and we've already done three story arcs, three full story arcs, and and two Christmas specials and um you know and and people really love the characters and they really love joe bob and you know how many times do i come across like a tweet from somebody and they just say well you know (laughs) which is really cool and like and we've had some fan art and stuff and i would love to see some cosplayers but i don't know it's really surreal it's really weird to actually have an issue 20 out there because i mean you know there's there's definitely indie series that get to that point where they have 20 issues but there's not many there's a lot that are just you know they're limited series they're you know they're either six issue series or they're 12 issues or whatever but it's that you don't really see it 
as in an ongoing uh, so much. I mean, you do, but it's it's not. Um, and it, and if you, I don't know. It's it's but it's it's very strange. I, I I'm very uh, lucky. I feel like to to be able to have a series and to have a collaborator you know who's as easygoing and is very much just like on the same page as me on all of it um and just you know when when we're thinking about the next thing it's like oh yeah let's do that that sounds cool you know so there's you know there's no headbutting or anything we joked that there was headbutting with issue 20 which you know it, he he was definitely he was he was uh so if you don't know issue 20 or christmas special we do a christmas special and it's sort of like oh we can do whatever because it's it's a story being told you know, so that's the idea. It's a, it's like, a, you know, an issue 13, which was our first Christmas special, which I love that it was issue 13. Lucky number 13. Um, but in the first Christmas special, it's a, it's the sheriff at the time t- telling a story at the Christmas party, the office Christmas party. And uh, it's a ghost story. And it's about the, the one of his predecessors, Buster Greer um and it's a you know it's a ghost story so we can kind of get away with doing whatever because it's a ghost story and it's being told to them and then in this one uh it is a it is billy totes who is joe bob's son and he uh uh, was gifted a sketchbook and some markers for christmas and he's been drawing these like western scenes but with like vampires and like mummies and stuff like that and uh essentially joe bob asks him like what's all this about and then he tells him the story of what it's all about so that's what issue 20 is is that so when jacob got the script he was like oh this is great and then he realized he had to draw it Uh, (laughs) and he had like i think he did it all in like three weeks or something it was like and when i say three weeks i mean he penciled inked colored it in three weeks and lettered in three weeks he usually he usually letters when he pencils so i usually get pencils with the letters already on it but i don't usually send notes until after Mm -hmm. um but so he kind of gets it out of the way (laughs) um (laughs) you know because i think you know usually in the process the lettering would be the last thing that you do but in in our case it's one of the first things we do which is fun for me as the writer to be able to see it and go like oh i want to change that Mm -hmm. you know but so, uh, I think I went off off base somewhere. But yeah, issue twenty is coming out. Yes, absolutely. A uh, heartwarming tale of of a sheriff mummy and a vampire <laughs> with straw teeth. It's wonderful, heartwarming. Exactly. <laughs> but you know, this pterosaur is... skeletons. Don't and forget all... pterosaur skeletons, Matt. <laughs> oh, so you guys have read it? Oh yes, yes. yes. Okay. When I saw the pterosaur skeleton, my heart grew three <laughs> sizes. Good. Good. That, I mean, I haven't actually talked to anybody out there in the world who's read it outside of, uh, of close friends and, and Jake. So, you know, it's really cool to hear you guys enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. I, it's if I, I read that, that was like the so I read the, the cult arc and yeah. then I went right to to uh, Princess uh, Princess Mummy and I was just like, this, this is fucking incredible. This is, you know, <laughs> this is two completely different types of story. And they're both, they're, they're singing to me. I, you know, it's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> well, you know, it, I really, it, it bummed me out that we couldn't use the pterosaur skeleton, the Texas pterosaur to promote it. Because I feel like, I, I feel like that was, it's like such a good image, but I also didn't want to give it away. I didn't want to give it away because you only have 24 pages, you know? Yeah. So it's, 
you want something special for people when they pick up an issue and they're or they're reading it. And so, you know, we we kept to like the first couple panels of of uh, two gun, um, <laughs> two gun common. Yeah, which was named a friend of mine came up with that. He was like, "You should have a sheriff named Two Gun Common." And the idea originally was that it was going to be like he was going to be the slowest draw in the West, but he's dead, so nobody can kill him. But it like takes him a year to come up with the gun. <laughs> but they're all out, all out of bullets by the time, and then he just <laughs> gets them. Uh, it's a good rope dope. Yeah, but it's hard to do that in a comic. So I was like, ah, he could just shoot normal. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I have 24 pages. I have a finite amount of panels I could do per page. I'm like, I got to get to that idea. It's pretty funny, but I, I was like, I can't do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, it's it that, that was it's such a fun idea to just be able to bounce around uh, from, you know, from genre to genre. But not only that, but to do something like this, which is pretty out there and pretty you know, it's, you know, I'd say this is like a comedy issue, you know, it's like, it's funny, you know, and I, and it's zany, and I, I really like that about it, but it's, it's definitely, you know, the idea was uh, the third story arc, Snow Falls, Endlessly in Wonderland is pretty bleak, and mm -hmm. pretty dark, pretty intense, um, and I wanted it to be that way, and then originally the Christmas special was going to be something that was very dark, and I, I really liked that idea, but at the same time, I was like, we literally just came out of doing this intense story. I'm, I'm like, I don't want the Christmas issue to also be intense. Mm -hmm. um, so then, you know, talking to this friend of mine and we were just kind of goofing around. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to put that in the comic. And then I came up with the idea of white slurp and, you know, it was just like sort of like, Oh, this is just like fun. It's like basically like playing with action figures, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, it's just kind of fun to to play around in like a, a crazy world within our very serious world, you know. I I I was just happy, you know, in our in our uh, vampire and werewolf post Twilight society to see mummies getting uh, a little time in the sun. Yeah, <laughs> I love mummies. I you know it's hard to find a good mummy story, which is unfortunate, but it, it's true um there's a lot of there's a lot of vampire movies out there there's a lot of werewolf movies out there but there's not a lot of good mummy movies and you know i i cherish the mummy movies that we have mm -hmm. because i love a good mummy um but there, you know there's just not too many out there i do love bubba hotep um so definitely when when my buddy was like two gun common i was like oh that's like you know that's like bubba hotep and he was like oh yeah but I was like, well, I love Joe Lansdale, so I was like, I'll do that. That sounds fun. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's just it's it's very fun to play around with, and especially you know, I, when I was a kid, I loved mummies because they're a real world thing. You know, mm -hmm. you can actually look at a mummy. Um, but then there's also fiction with mummies, so that's that's one of those things that I find really interesting about them is that like they they do exist in the real world. It's like Greek mythology, I guess. You know, because you, you can the, the Greeks existed you know mm -hmm. but you know the mythology of them didn't so I, I or maybe prove me wrong i don't know um but you know it's it, that was one of the things that fascinated me as a child and like uh, same thing with like the, the the sort of the the idea of like the titanic really fascinated me when then i was with that when i was a kid but so you know when i was writing billy i'm like what is he gonna you know he's gonna be fascinated it's gonna be okay mummies vampires 
and uh the undead <laughs> so, yeah. but the idea of just mummies is like it's such a fun idea for a kid to be obsessed with especially in the 90s i feel like the 90s was like very like king tut heavy so it makes sense it's it's because that of that one steve martin snl sketch from you it know, was all steve martin yeah. yeah yeah really i mean you know it was it was big when i was a kid uh his album uh let's get small it was a big hit when i was a kid Mm-hmm. We all pass it around on the on the school grounds. Not true. We didn't. <laughs> but I do. I, I mean, I honestly do love Steve Martin, by the way. I got to tell you, I know I'm, I'm a huge Steve Martin fan. And so, yeah, I do love his King Tut. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty, pretty darn funny. It is a classic. Now, Matt, I put this in the show notes. Uh, favorite mummy story that is neither the Universal Pictures franchise starring Brendan Fraser or a random episode of Scooby-Doo. Now, yeah, Chris already got Bubba Hotep, which it was right at the top of my list. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, there's also back in my, you know, starting to read anything horror I could get my hands on in high school. Anne Rice wrote one sexy mummy novel to go mm. along with the sexy vampire novels, uh, The Mummy or Ramsey's the Damned. So there's okay. that. And one that sadly never came to be. Back mm-hmm. in 20, 2009, 2010, Dark Horse did this horror comedy series called Werewolves on the Moon versus Vampires. Because it's, you know, science fiction, but basically where a bunch of werewolves go up to a moon base. And since the moon is always out because you're on the moon, they're always werewolves. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. The, the series ends with a tease for the next series. Unfortunately, the this one didn't do well enough to justify the sequel, okay. but it was going to be called Werewolves on the Moon colon Inca Mummy Madness. <laughs> and I would have killed to know what Werewolves on the Moon Inca Mummy Madness was. Hmm. That sounds interesting. <laughs> and that's, maybe maybe we'll that's why it. you have to pre-order from your local comic shop. That's well, true. I mean, it honestly is. I The FOC stuff is annoying, I feel like, but it, it's it's so important to to... It's really, I mean, it, it shows your your publisher that you're you have you have interest. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's very important. But I I I do want to talk about Boris Karloff's Mummy. I think Boris Karloff's Mummy is uh, maybe the movie isn't the most fantastic movie, but uh, there's some great cinematography in it. Um, it's directed very well. It was directed by a cinematographer, Carl Freund. Mm-hmm. But uh, the makeup is like one of my all time favorite makeups. Um, the Boris Karloff mummy, but he's only that mummy for the first two minutes of the movie. And then they, and then they de-age him, which I don't think they ever explain why exactly. Um, but he's de-aged for some reason. And now he looks sort of like, a like a, a slightly older Boris Karloff, <laughs> but um, it's, it's, a, it's a shame that they didn't stick with the, the full wrapped mummy for the whole thing. But uh, for that, I do I do very much enjoy the the hammer mummy uh, with Christopher Lee in it, which he's just a wrapped mummy that entire time. <laughs> but it's good, good, good. There is some good mummy content out there. Not enough, though. Absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, the, 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 the interesting thing about or one of the interesting things about that Texas blood, you know, this started out as a screenplay. And mm-hmm. now it's it's you know probably one of the the you know longer running current 
image series you know what what is what's been one of the biggest surprises on this journey the past the past couple of years um just the, the the way that people connect with it i think is is the thing that really surprised me um and still surprises me i mean we we were even just i mean just recently on twitter like somebody came in and was like oh well are we ever going to see a an eversoft spinoff Ah. you know and like it's just so cool to me that people are that into eversol because i i mean i love the character i really loved writing him and i mean i love what inspired him in the first place which is kolchak mm-hmm. um so uh, to have people that are that interested in it that they, they want to have a spinoff with a certain character um and then i i did another i did a podcast with uh it's called 22 panels so okay um but tad is is the tad runs it and i love tad but um he was talking about um he was talking about rqk at the end of at the end of the arc and he was asking me all these questions about why why didn't you do this and why did you do that and why did you know it's just so fun that that people are really invested in in the in the story because i you know when you write something you obviously hope for you know, an audience and somebody that will enjoy it and, and love it. And I don't know if, if it was a movie, if people would ever find it in that way, you know, and, and engage with it in that, in that way. But that's something that's really special about comics is that people really, when they like comics, they love comics. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's, it's like very much like, Oh, like you get into like, we, we were just talking about our three and you know, <laughs> all this sort of, like you, you get to know like alternate histories and things like that because mm-hmm you love the medium you, you and you love the the series and whatever so it's it's really cool that people are that invested with something that you know i thought up one day because i was like you know because i like writing met texas and I'm, you know and i like the sheriff and i'm the whole idea spun from you know something that was a totally different idea but i like the sheriff character so much so i just started writing about him mm-hmm. that's really where it all started it was just i i liked joe bob and i liked writing him and it was kind of nice to write him. So I just kept writing him. And, it, you know, it, it. I'm glad that that is sort of translated for people now out there, you know, in, in the audience to actually be like, they feel the same way about Joe Bob. Um, you know, because I feel like people definitely do look at him like I look at him, which is like sort of just as a friend, <laughs> um, which is fun. You know? He's a guy you can call over to handle the snakes in your yard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. You got a, if you got a rattlesnake on the porch. <laughs> um, I can delete my Eversol spinoff question from later and add <laughs> myself to that. I was going to ask about that because that would be awesome because, you know, we would chat. love to do it, but I, there's no plan right now. I mean, it would be down the road. I, I would think about, and I'm leery about doing this, but if we were going to do it, we'd probably have to do it with another artist um because jake's just too busy and if we were gonna wait for jake to do it it would be years down the road and would anybody still want to read and ever so you know i mean obviously some people might but i don't think the audience would be there for that might be there now um sort of spinning off of our second arc which is just last year at this point so it's like if we do it like five years from now maybe not but i don't know i you know also maybe we just you know if we did approach it as just a you know a spinoff series starring this character, maybe it would be attractive enough that just with the stories that we're telling in that series, you know, so I don't know. Um, we haven't really given it much thought because we're just thinking about what the next thing is. Now. 
<laughs> but we would i we did we would love to do it i both jake and i really love the character uh he really likes drawing him um i really like writing him uh so we would definitely love to do it i i i do have an idea for a thing that is the later years of ever solved but that that's that's like a sort of separate idea mm-hmm. but i guess it's a spinoff in a way but it wouldn't be what the spinoff series is which gotcha. would basically be like traveling from place to place like time period to time period it would be really cool to do them all in one shots every single one be one shot not to have multiple issues per yeah you know, not have a full story arc but you're like speaking my language here kolchak inspired series of one-off paranormal yeah, detective right? like, just, this that... is a this is like my thing <laughs> <laughs> it's matt it's matt catnip it's matt nip yes <laughs> perfect all right well i got i have i have one person that will buy an issue <laughs> I, I know no, I, I, I can sell this yeah. <laughs> it's 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 the the monster of the week sort of thing you know it's it's very fun and i i love that and, and it would be so fun to just you know do different towns different you know so we could do something in new jersey or something in connecticut you know whatever but like have different monsters in different places uh you know it'd be fun matt we've been doing this for five years and i just now realized that matt nip is a phrase we should be using on this show that should be a, that should be like a section of the of the of the podcast it should be something somewhere i'll tell you that much (laughs) (laughs) oh boy so you know what are the other interesting things kind of going back to the beginning of this series you know uh issue number one came out at a time of heightened uh you know a cab and and listen a cab means a cab but you know goddamn if joe bob ain't you know a, a cop on the order of, of Jim Gordon, you know, when you, when you were sketching out the character, who did you sort of, I guess, envision as being in his DNA? Not that you were lifting from anything directly, but just sort of the kinds of, of characters that, that end up in that stew. You know, I never thought about it, but you might be right about the Jim Gordon thing, because I, I think that that's that's pretty spot on. It's the mustache is what it is. Well, but Jim Gordon is like, like the perfect, like clean cop. Like he's, he's, you know, he's, he tries his best in an otherwise dirty situation. And I think that that's very much what Joe Bob is. And what he tries to do is he tries to be the best that he can with, you know, he, he, he doesn't live in a, in a city. He lives in like a, rural area so he doesn't have all the means that like a uh or a tactical force or whatever yeah that a city police department would have um but yeah i who was in my mind i i mean i i there there's like there's a real joe bob uh in texas that i'm friends with and his sort of his just sort of good natured personality is where i was kind of picking up from um and sort of his mannerism and how he talks um but he's not a sheriff and he's not old so it you know well i mean you know he's like middle-aged i guess but um uh i i don't know where i was picking up from but it just sort of i i found the voice when i when i was writing him in the past and he just sort of 
he got his own voice at that point and I just kept writing it, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like when I sit down to write him now, it's like, I just, I sort of hear him in my head you know, I know what he sounds like. So it's just, it's there. I don't know. I don't really know what inspired him exactly, but I, there might've been some Jim Gordon in there because that makes sense. Um, but yeah, what you said about, you know, the time that it came out, <laughs> it was a little nerve wracking. Uh, you know, it was 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, midst of the pandemic and it, the beginning of the pandemic it was literally you know we were all scared and didn't know what was happening so uh you know i remember we were going to the grocery store and we we're like wiping the groceries down and getting yes I, like what's it you know we were going with like gloves on and masks and like we we're wearing hoods and like <laughs> the real fun part yeah it was in, i mean that must have done some like damage to our our brains i don't know we'll see some trauma from that i'm sure but uh yeah so anyway it was like you know so we didn't so a we were pushed back we didn't know when we were going to come out so that was you know something but when we came out we didn't know if we were going to sell any issues but also we had a cop (laughs) holding a gun covered in blood on on the cover and like i mean we still hear it now but defund the police was right there at that time june 2020 that was it and we were coming out with a cop on the cover you know and so i think for the people that did pick up the issue they saw that this wasn't this wasn't uh this wasn't a guy who was in any way malicious he was he was trying to help you know and i think that that's that's something that you know I, I really wanted to make sure that we we hit home. And I, I definitely feel like that because I was I had already written arc one. And so that was it was already being drawn and all that. So um, when 2020 was around, so I was already working on arc two at that point. Mm. And so arc two was very much inspired by what was going on in 2020. And, you know, there's some Trumpy stuff with like with Wallman and and there's also some of the stuff I don't know it's just a lot of it fed into what I was feeling at the time and a lot of the anger that I felt I sort of funneled into a there's a speech from Wyetta the mom of uh, of the two children in in that arc and it, I a lot of it came out there but um yeah it was it was a it was a really weird time to be coming out with a book with with a sheriff as your lead you know um and it still is to a certain extent um but at the at that time it it definitely felt like oh did did we just damn ourselves you know um because when i was pitching it i mean uh, you know obviously there was some sort of tension but it wasn't out there in the way that it was in 2020 you know Mm -hmm. um but yeah, I it's really funny because Jake had an idea for um he he didn't like he at some point he got like cold feet about the cover. I love the first issue cover. I think mm-hmm. it's fantastic. Um he got cold feet at a certain point cuz he didn't think it was exciting enough and so he came up with a, a different cover idea. And as soon as I saw it, I told him no. It's <laughs> like no. I was like if you really feel strongly about it like maybe but um i I don't i don't think this is what we need right now and it was literally just joe bob like pointing the gun like at the reader basically Mm -hmm. and it it was like 
I get his like thinking, but I, uh, you know, living in America at that time and knowing what it was going on, it just didn't, it didn't seem like the right move. And I think that we were wise to not go with that because, you know, what he was doing, he was taking a scene in race car and just like being like, okay, that's, you know, that's the exciting bit of our comic, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, yeah, it wasn't the right, it wasn't the right move. And I'm, I'm really glad that we didn't do that because it, it, that could have changed the whole trajectory of our series. We could have just come out with one issue, you know, let alone uh, 20. So it was, you know, I'm glad we didn't do that. You know, t- taking that a- aspect out of it, you know, it's June, 2020. You're, you're out here with a, a new comic just a couple of weeks after new comics had started coming out again. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah. just from that aspect of it, I imagine it had to have been a, a dicey time yeah um it was it was really it was really intense (laughs) that's about the way that i could put it i i don't know um if if you uh ever read it but we we had a we had a patreon comic come out because we were we were so worried about the fact that nobody would read our stuff and we had this sort of momentum coming from you know we felt like we were building up a, a momentum and then march 2020 happened yeah where like everything stopped. I was literally in, I, I, I was in LA in late January, 2020. And there was like, there was talk about coronavirus, but nobody really thought it was going to be a thing. And like, we were, we hadn't canceled Emerald city yet. Yeah. Yeah. We were, we were like drinking Corona, (laughs) Corona, you know, Corona light or whatever. And we were like, coronavirus, you know, I was traveling on a plane, no mask. I'm like the people with masks on, I'm like, and then like, and then it became Corona. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, this is uh, very, uh, very real, very intense. And nobody expected it to be what it was. Cause you know, I don't know. I, it just, it really took me by surprise. And, and I mean, it took everybody's by surprise, but it, it, you know, to, to be, to have a, your first book coming out and then we have, it was supposed to come out in May, 2020. Um, and then have it be taken off the schedule and and we didn't know when it would be back on. Mm-hmm. So we we literally had no idea if it was even gonna be in the year in 2020. We had no idea. Um Jake's dad had heard something about, oh, it, maybe maybe December or something like that for newer titles. And we were like, oh great. Yeah. Um, and then they we got an email from Eric and it's June. Oh, okay. And then so we were one of the first books back. So we, so I, we definitely benefited from that. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I lost my train of thought, but it was, it was a weird time. That's all I can say. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's fair. Now, you know, at that, at that point, how long, how far ahead, I guess, were you planning? You know, how much story Bible had you left yourself for future arcs? Uh, it, it was all there in the pitch. Okay. It's it was all there in the pitch, but the way that we had sort of laid it out and that I had designed it was that it took place as it does now, where we jump back and forth in time and all that. So Eversol was mentioned in our pitch. Mm. Um, one of the subsequent story arcs that we haven't gotten to yet is mentioned in the pitch. But I also wanted to leave us room enough where if we were enjoying ourselves and and audiences were enjoying it as well, that we could insert things here and there if mm. we wanted to. And so that's actually the thing that we're going to do next is like one of those like sort of we're inserting something because um, 
we want to do it, you know, so we're going to do it. And, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's something that's mentioned in the back matter of ever saw 81. Um, and it's the Enfield gang massacre. So it's going to be set in the old West. And it's, it's basically, it's about a week long standoff between this gang and, and the local authorities. But, uh, yeah, in terms of the, that, like, I, I don't have, things down to like the, the most minute details but I, I definitely have like a sort of broad idea like okay this you know for example like the serial killer thing was the idea of okay what if we do something set in the snow and a serial killer okay that, that's like a pretty good idea it, i didn't really have anything more than that um and then the, the you know so but that that was that was like an interesting one to kind of tinker with and, and to have the pieces kind of come together um because i i had the title the snow falls endlessly in wonderland for a while because it was actually for a different story it was like for basically like a shitty twilight zone episode (laughs) um but uh i liked the title a lot and i was like oh well what if like the killer's obsessed with lewis carroll and then you if you've read the arc you know that I discarded that. <laughs> I I got to a point where I was going to have him have all these. Uh, he was going to be doing the the like these puzzles and stuff like that. And um, I'm glad I ditched it because I didn't even know about the Riddler stuff and and the Batman. But mm. watching the Batman, it's like that's his thing. And I was like, oh god, if I did that, it would be like <laughs> bad news bears because I I'm not as talented as as Matt Reed <laughs> doing this stuff. So, uh, and it just seems like a headache to try to figure out all that stuff. So I was like, you know, it, it, and that's not, to me, that was not what was important about the arc anyway. So the, you know, to get rid of all that stuff was very um, important to the arc because it made it about the characters. It made it about Lou and it made it about Joe Bob and it made it about Red. Um, so, you know, discarding all the, the sort of beef to the serial killer and just making him that, you know, sort of, force of nature whatever you want to call it uh i think helped the story arc a lot because then you're not bogged down by the the sort of mythology of him mm-hmm. i mean it's, there's definitely that was one of the things that tad brought up on the 22 panels podcast was you know wanted to know more about rqk well you know where, where did he come from well, you know why didn't we see blah, blah, blah. you know like right down to the last minute when i was planning that when i was plotting out the the last issue i was gonna have RQK have like a monologue kind of thing, not like a full on monologue, but he was going to talk. Mm-hmm. And I decided that that was the wrong move. <laughs> I didn't think it was, I didn't think he should have a moment. I didn't think that uh, he should talk at all. And and I didn't think that it should be his moment at all. I think that it should be Lou's moment. And so that, you know, anyway, again, tangent, you said it was good no, to have tangents. I did. <laughs> your tangents have answered a bunch of the questions I had down the line because <laughs> I specifically was curious about whether that was a choice to focus on the existing characters or a specific mm-hmm. choice to not mythologize the serial killer, because there is that yeah. question in a lot of modern serial killer fiction or, you know, not even fiction, but looking back at Dahmer and Jack the Ripper that you're mythologizing these monsters and yeah, I, I didn't. Sure I didn't want to give him the. I didn't want to give him the limelight, um, which is a, a big part about it. I I just didn't want to have that be part of it because he's he's not a good person. You know, I don't want people to look at him and go, 
oh, this was so cool. You know, I want them to look at it and go, this was awful. This this person came in and invaded their privacy and it's awful what happened. And I, I think that that is the, the reaction as, as far as I know to the arc and, you know, people really feeling the intensity of Lou's predicament, you know, and I, I did, I, yeah, I didn't want to have, you know, and it goes back to the back matter in that final issue, which essentially has Lou saying he's a piece of garbage and that's all he was. And that's all he'll ever be. Um, you know, sort of cutting down the idea of like, if anybody wanted to know any more about RQK, I was going to have a whole thing about RQK in the back matter. I was going to have a, I was literally from issue 14. I was going to have, it was going to be like a, like a crime blog, like a true crime blog, like current day talking mm-hmm. about RQK, like what happened then. So I was going to even in issue 14, I was going to tell you who he was because I wanted to demythologize who this person was. Because it didn't, it didn't matter who he was, you know. Um, but then I just essentially was like, again, I don't want to spend that much time with this guy. I just really don't want to spend that much time with him. I don't want to give him that. I don't want to give him a starring role. I don't want to see him with his mask off and have him be like, be another character. I want him to be what he is, which is just, uh, you know, this thing that comes in and does his thing. And, you know, that's it. That's all that I wanted him to be. So it it really came down to a lot of just critical thinking of how do I want this to play and trying to think of the the, the smart play in terms of how, okay, then how do I go about doing that to get to where I want to get? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it was all about, it was all about Lou for me. I really wanted this arc to be about Lou. Then um, I really wanted to, to spend time with her and, and to have people care about her you know by the end because it by the end it's it's her fight to survive you know so um yeah you were just talking about it but you do back matter which is becoming something that we see in a lot of image books Mm -hmm. what for you makes for good back matter what is it that you're trying to do with back matter uh i think back matter should be I, okay, so like here's something that I don't know if you guys read the Hickman X Men stuff and like oh, I don't sure. know, like, mm-hmm. I, I really love Jonathan Hickman, but like the the data pages take me out of it. Oh, I, okay, okay. Um, so I I like things at the end. Mm-hmm. I I don't like them in the middle of a of a comic because uh, okay. then I because I'm in the I'm in the groove of. Did you did you read the the uh, the Tradmore? um dr strange that just came out yeah 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 the first issue yeah okay so for me the the data pages in the middle of the of the story is the same as the ads in that book okay <laughs> uh so when i was reading the tradmore uh dr strange i was loving every second of it it was like feeling like uh this sort of sort of like a great like almost like a mignola like the island or Macoma or one of those where it's just like you're just dropped into like this weird thing and you're just like okay we're doing it it's um, it's a beautiful fever dream of a book exactly that's a, that it's a fever dream that's like the perfect way to describe it um and yeah so it's 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 it really grinded my gears to <laughs> then turn you know then to turn the page and there's 
it's not more story it's ad mm-hmm. for this thing that's coming out in two months and like okay, i get that yeah. they need to put ads in the book but don't interrupt the the flow you know um and so yeah i to me that that i like back matter to actually be back matter to be in the back <laughs> And that not be necessary for the story is another thing. You know, you don't need to read it. I feel like it should add to the the, the history of the characters and, and the history of the, the place sometimes. You know, that's something for me that I enjoy about writing the back matter is that it adds to the the, the overall history of what we're, we're doing, you know, and like things that won't get talked about in the, in the actual comic. So like in, in the second arc, did a lot of stuff where I was talking about like Wellman and you know what he's did what was he doing and all that so um yeah and then also just uh, you know delving into the the whole cult thing where there was a cult previously and like all that so it's sort of that's sort of like another twist to the whole thing that you don't really know if you're if you're reading the comic just the comic um so if you're reading the trade you don't necessarily get all that information about the cult of night previously existing Eversol might have mentioned it but it's, yeah, I think he did mention it. I think there's probably a line where he goes like, oh, they tried it before, but we go into more detail in, in the back matter. So like, that's that's the kind of stuff that I try to do in the back matter. Um, I honestly think that we could have done a little bit more with the arc, third arc, but we just ran out of space and I didn't want to go over pages. Um, we did that a lot with our song. <laughs> we, we went over 32 pages a lot. Um, but I, I feel like that was like the we really hit a, a really good spot with the with the content of the comic and then the content of the back matter in, in that second arc mm-hmm. and I've, i feel like we sort of fumbled the back matter well we didn't do any of that i fumbled the third arc, arc back matter i don't think it's bad but i don't think that i got where i wanted to go with it um part of that was because i was going to have somebody else write it um which was going to be interesting. That was going to be an interesting experiment, um, which I might try again later, but it just wound up being too much because I, I wanted something and they weren't delivering what I wanted. And so it was sort of like, okay, I'm just going to do it myself. So a, it was a time thing. So I was like kind of rushing, but also just didn't want to have too many pages, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I didn't, back matter is something that I love. I mean, I fell in love with it because of Alan Moore probably. You know, I that that stuff is is something that I you know, and I I don't mind reading like prose, you know. So it's like the data pages and like like the X Men comics are. The, the, it's not that they annoy me. It's just that I don't like them in the center of the comic. I like them, you know, further mm-hmm. down. <laughs> I like to have all my comic stuff in one it's it's just it's an enjoyment thing i mean there's definitely people who enjoy it you know i for me it slows me down yeah you know, like, you know oh, what I, it gotta, is? I gotta read this <laughs> you know and plus it looks like like a it looks like some document that i would get in the mail you know so it's just <laughs> it's it's designed well but it's just like it looks like work you know and if i'm reading a comic i want to be reading a comic so that's I don't know. Don't tell Jonathan Hickman I said this. I I, I won't. I won't. Uh, it'll, it'll be just between us. He's not listening. But uh, it, it kind of like, you know, when you're eating and some people will go, you know, let's say they get like a hamburger, fries and ostensibly a vegetable of their choice. You know, they <laughs> yeah. eat all the hamburger and then they go through all the vegetable and then they go through all the. You know what I mean? They're not mixing the foods. Yeah, that's that's where you're at. 
with that is what uh, I meant. yes exactly yeah. that is what i'm saying but yeah, i will I, say us have the, ocd like i i get i get the idea behind it and i i like the idea behind it it's just it doesn't necessarily work for me you know yeah. what i'm saying so i don't know uh, uh there's that you know there's other comics that try to dabble in some sort of stuff like that like uh zach thompson did a little bit of that and um the brother of all men yeah uh, that comic that he's doing with aftershock um which really enjoying and he he sort of did there i remember there being like a text page in it but it but it was it was something that didn't have that feeling like i said of like the you know oh it's work um so i guess he did it in in a way that it appealed to my comic reading sensibilities um i don't know it's 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 a weird thing i don't know i i can't really define it until i see it you know what i mean <laughs> so you mentioned that the the time skipping was in the original pitch yeah and that's something we've seen in a lot of crime fiction in mm-hmm. recent years between the Brubaker and Phillips criminal uh, or the Fargo TV series. Yeah. That. What drew you to that? And is it something in the same vein as the fact that each of the arcs have been a different sort of sub genre of crime fiction that you had the family revenge story you had the cult story you have the serial killer story is this all to give different experiences to the reader is it to appeal to yourself to give you different thought experiments or challenges in the writing uh a big part of it was in the so i wanted to have the the place be a character so i wanted ambrose county to be a character and i thought that it would be interesting to explore the place through different time periods um and sort of see that yeah i i don't know it's the different genres helped you know to do sort of a serial killer in the 90s seemed like it you know there was i i didn't really play into it but in the first issue there was some stuff that i was like oh like sort of you know you know and i remember in the 90s there was like hard copy and you know all those sorts of like uh you know Mm -hmm. media run amok uh so there was there was very specifically in the first issue, there was um, when Patty is killed, we see it through in the reflection of a TV screen, you know. So like that was like me being like, oh, let's comment on this sort of uh, the TV is the is the the lens that we're viewing everything through, mm-hmm. um, which again I didn't really play into during the rest of it, but that was the idea with that. Um, and then in the 80s, again, it was just sort of there was the whole satanic panic thing. I don't know. I I didn't really. I, I don't know. I, I like Stephen King <laughs> and he does it all the time. And that's really where I just sort of it seemed like it was just the idea. I I, I wish that I could say that it was I honestly I, I haven't watched the Fargo television show. Um, I've watched some of it and what I saw I liked. But um, I know that they do that, too. But um, it really just kind of came out of Stephen King and just, you know, planning. I don't know. The, to to start with a, a sheriff who's old and then to go back and sort of see, you know, how did he get to where he is and all that is really where a lot of it came from, too. It was just to 
sort of travel with him and to travel through the, the county through the years um, and to just see what how we wound up where we wound up. There have been teases throughout the book of the supernatural. Mm-hmm. Joe Bob having a dream that might be something more akin to a vision. Yeah. The demon that was the cult was worshiping the issue 13. Yeah. How are you playing this balancing act of this being sort of a grounded world and both being able to tease this out without it being either this is all stuff in someone's head and these people are nuts or demons, demons are real. Just wait for the demon to show up. Yeah. Um, I think that I, 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 I've said this for a while, but I think that crime fiction and horror fiction kind of go hand in hand in, in my mind. Um, I always found like reading about a serial killer made me feel the same way as reading a ghost story. Um, you know, the idea of there's somebody there that you can't see, <laughs> uh, or that you don't know is there, um, you know, you know, and I, I kind of did some of that with, with Lou, with like the, the razor and all that sort of stuff where there's, you know, there's stuff touched, you know, it's, it's not the way that it was and all that, um, in terms of the, the balance and in, in terms of the, uh, sort of a supernatural paranormal element, um, I just, I don't, I, I feel like we want to sort of imply that there might be something going on. Uh, I like, I like the idea of implications. Um, I like not going all in. I like the slow burn aspect of it. Um, is there, is there not? Um, and in a way that's very much, uh, I mean, unless you're just a hard lines, you know, believer in the sciences, which I mean, I am, <laughs> uh, it, it's, there's always that question about like, oh, is there life after death? Is there, are there ghosts? Uh, is there psychic phenomenon? Like, you know, all these sorts of, these questions are there, but we don't have answers to them. And I feel like that is something that um, exists in our real world um whether you believe in it or not but you know there are people that do and you know there is a question of it can you prove it no but i believe it and i think that that sort of is is what we're trying to do um you know we're joe talks about ambrose county as being an evil place and is it an evil place or does he just believe it to be an evil place i i mean at the end of the day, I, I don't really know how to answer the question without um, getting into some of the stuff we want to get into in future arcs. But um, I I like the idea of it being a question because I think that that's, you know, you mentioned that our series is grounded. And I think that that sort of is in its own way grounding supernatural stuff you know it's 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 playing with it as it exists in our real world which is is it fiction or is it reality um i don't know 
<laughs> I, I think that we imply, and I think that it's, it would be wise to think that there might be something going on. Um, but what it is, we don't know. There you go. Maybe I do. I <laughs> that is a, a this was not me attempting to gotcha you or get spoilers. No, I, I just it's a found good question. I should come up with a better answer for it. Is the, is the truth? Um, I, it's a I, rehearsal I, for the next podcast. That, that's yeah. all it is. Well, for the next arc, maybe you guys will have me back. There you and, go, uh, and then I can answer it again. Um, but yeah, I I don't. Yeah, I wish I had a better answer for the the balance. But I I just know that we don't want to have. We just don't want to answer those questions yet. Mm -hmm. I guess is really what it comes down to. So what's it what has it been like watching Jacob evolve as an artist during this process, you know, to the point where, you know, now you're sharing him with 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 other books like Newbird? <laughs> it's really interesting, I'll tell you that. I I, you know, he hadn't had a, a comic series uh before our book so it was you know so it was like oh like we we're just figuring it out together um so it was it was very it was very much that sort of we're the new kids on the block sort of thing and uh watching him develop is really cool because i it, it, you can see him growing and sort of falling into himself and like sort of realizing okay i don't need to do all this um, I loved what he did in the first arc. I loved all the scratchy sort of coloring and all this sort of stuff that he was doing, but uh, where he's gotten to, I mean, I, but he's doing interesting stuff throughout. So I loved seeing him in the second arc go. And there, we're talking about doing stuff in the, A, we're doing a, I, I don't know if you saw my cryptic tweet about I sent a, I sent a script in for a thing. Um, so we're doing a, yeah. a thing that I can't really talk about yet, but you know, it's hearing the ideas come out of him based off of what I wrote um, going, oh, I think I might approach this this way, uh, you know, and, and that excites me because then I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see how you tackle that. Um, you know, so for the second arc, he he was like, oh, I'll do all the 80s stuff. Um, you know, I'll do, I'll do, I won't do it digitally. I'll, I will ink it all by hand. And oh, that's, you know, because you haven't done that yet. That's, a, that's just the thing that we haven't done yet. You know, everything he's done at this point had been digital. And so it was, you know, the idea of him doing it physically um, was a really exciting idea. And I think that he nailed it. And I think that the the, the acting and the, with the characters has gotten better and better through the years. I think that there's some stuff in Arc 2 that's phenomenal. I think that Arc 3 has some really even better stuff and then i think that's the the scenes with red and lou um are really fantastic and i i think that that's you know i don't know what people tend to call it that i call it acting because i think that it is acting because i think that very much like because you know if if this was a movie the actors would be acting in this in this case jacob is the actor because all the facial expressions he's interpreting what i wrote in a script but he's making it come to life and he's mm -hmm. going to make people feel the emotion that they feel when they read it, you know? Uh, so he is really the actor acting. Um, so watching him grow as an actor. Amazing. Um, I think that again, he was doing some really good stuff in arc one, but I think that where he's at now, um, 
It's incredible. Uh, and but also, yeah, just like seeing him, you know, for arc three, he was like, I want to do this sort of photocopy feel with the with the inks. Such a smart idea, you know, to have it be this very uh, screened look like, you know, it looks like it came out of a out of, out of a Xerox machine. Like it looks like it's it's that sort of the the stark white and black of a Xerox machine. Um, and he put that he's got that pattern, that brush that he uses on, on the on all the, the blacks and the and the issue and issues. Um that's so unique and and so cool and such a smart idea. Um so yeah to see him grow has been really incredible and to see him doing other other books too is I mean just seeing all the stuff that he does for his dad, you know, in the reckless books and, and in pulp. Um, I, I was such a fan of what he did on junkies and then to see, you know, it just grow again. And I, you know, I look at the colors. I'm like, how do you even think to color in this way? Cause it's so non-traditional. Like it reminds me of the colors, the original coloring of the killing joke um, in a way. Cause it, it, it's sort of, the the coloring is almost surreal it doesn't necessarily fit what's happening in in a realistic sense but it, it heightens whatever is happening in the scene mm-hmm. and he, if you asked him he couldn't tell you you know he just feels it out um but to, yeah to see him growing into you know and to just know you know the stuff that he's he's been offered and and you know that I can't talk about. He can't talk about, but I can't talk about. <laughs> um, you know, to just know that he's in in the big leagues. Um, you know, when we just started out with our little handmade thing, it's it's really cool. And to know also that we started out with our handmade thing, and we're now twenty issues in, and we've got our audience. Um, and I think that we just keep getting better and better. I would think that he would say the same thing. Um. I think that it's yeah I don't know it's just it's exciting it's really the the word for it it's just it's, it's very exciting. How how often uh, do Ed and Sean pop their heads in metaphorically to what you guys are doing? You know maybe not to give <laughs> advice but at least ask. Uh, hey, can we borrow Jake to color the next Reckless? Uh, Ed, not at all. Uh, I I talked to Ed briefly, and one of his notes to me was. Uh, he, and he only said it about a nine panel grid page. Okay. He said uh, there shouldn't be more than 28 words per panel. And so mm-hmm. if you read the entirety of arc three, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do that in every single panel because I'm going to challenge myself because I know that I, I, I feel, I don't think that I overwrite, but I definitely, I can do speeches. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can do monologues <laughs> and I, I definitely laid into that. And then in arc three, I very much wanted to, do the opposite um, because the idea of doing 28 words per, per panel was exciting to me to, to, as a challenge. Just, oh, can I hit the same emotional chords that I hit in arc two and arc one with our audience in arc three, but do it with less words. Mm. And I think the answer is we can, because um, just hearing people to them, you know, hearing from uh, our readers and they're saying like oh wow that was intense you know <laughs> uh they're on you know, what well, somebody just tweeted at me today and said uh, like they were on the edge of their seat or something about 
the last issue, which is amazing because it's essentially a silent issue. There's not a lot of dialogue in that issue at all. Mm-hmm. So to know that um, Ed's uh, sort of words of wisdom uh, in the nine panel page, like really just sort of grafted onto the entire arc. Um, but yeah, it, Sean has been extremely helpful to us because A, he did our first variant cover for free. <laughs> um, and also he designed the, the text ball logo mm-hmm. was the Sean, Sean Phillips, uh, which I mean, like if you're me and you're just like, this is your first comic and you know, you, I'm lucky enough to be working with an amazing artist like Jacob Phillips, but <laughs> his dad was Sean Phillips. <laughs> You know, the Sean Phillips uh, designed the book. He, d- he designed the book, you know, the, the layout and all that of the of that first issue. Um, you know, how we do our uh, the inside front cover and the back cover and all that was all designed by by Sean. Uh, it's pretty incredible. Um, but yeah, I they don't really they don't give us advice. They, they don't really look over our shoulders or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. They sort of just, they, they're just there. And like, if, if they see something that we're doing and they like, they'll say, um, you know, Sean had nice things to say about my dialogue for one thing, which is nice, but you know, they're, they're not, you know, looming over us or anything. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> they let us be. And uh, which I think is nice. I, I don't think that we would want them to be looming over us anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I when I reached out to Ed, I was actually reaching out to him about a blurb. Ah. Uh for R2. Um, and I just, you know, I asked him, like, hey, like, could I send you the trade? And like, you know, if you'd like it, you know, give us a blurb, blah, blah, blah. And he read it and he he was like, Can I give you like some pointers? And he was like, This is what Alan Moore told me, you know. <laughs> and I was like, Oh God, like that's so just wisdom crazy. passed down through the generations. <laughs> yeah. So it was like really, it was really cool that you know, to get like that little nugget and to just sort of take that nugget and to apply it to the you know, to what we do, um, was helpful and just you know, you know, it was, it was helpful, but it was like I said, like he didn't tell me to do it in every single panel. So it was it was also just it gave me something to strive for in, in the next arc and and to not be sort of become complacent and think that oh we're good now or something mm-hmm. like that to think that oh we can always be challenging ourselves and always be pushing forward and like trying to make things better you know which i think is what you always want to be doing you always want to be trying to make your stuff better and i think that we definitely have been doing that arc to arc to arc um i think that looking back on the first arc i kind of hate that you know i'm at like New York Comic Con and selling people the first volume and not the second volume because I'm like, damn, because the second volume is so much better. But it's a hard sell to get them to buy both. Um, because they want to, you know, they want to read the first one, they want to test the waters and see yeah. if it's, it's gonna be something they enjoy. But it bums me out that oh man, I didn't get them for the second one because I think the second one's even better. Um but yeah, it, it's you know, I, I feel like you know, it's maybe not something that we we talk about. I mean, but maybe the in my mind, there's a little bit of the sort of the idea in the back of my mind that, that we do get compared to Brubaker and Phillips a lot. Um, and so that's in the back of my mind. I'm just, you know, trying to, I, we're not consciously trying to do anything that they're doing. And mm-hmm, 
the fact that they leave us alone to do it is i don't know it's just it's 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 uh it's pretty cool to just be you know creating our thing and and be doing it on our own and uh to have them you know to have them in any in the vicinity to say like oh that's pretty cool is is nice i'll say that <laughs> i don't know if uh, that was sort of a roundabout answer i don't know but it is it roundabout is the best kind of answer but <laughs> um god just just to wrap up the the texas blood talk you know what's what is the vaguest tease you can offer for the next arc uh the, well i i sort of outlined it a little bit but it's so it's the the anfield gang massacre so it's going to be um it's all going to be set in the old west and all i can tell you is that it's going to be really exciting and again we're challenging ourselves with the format mm-hmm. um and i i think that it's going to be it's it's just going to it's going to be <laughs> cool i think i think think jake's gonna do some really cool stuff we're talking about printing it on like a specific paper and we're seeing if that's viable um but it's uh yeah it's gonna be an old west it's a genuine western you know for people that uh enjoy a western i think you're gonna enjoy it it's it's definitely gonna have the vibe of our book there's definitely going to be the like the hints of the horror and all that and yeah but it's for me and jake it's it's the the fun of getting to play in in ambrose county and in the in the you know in the 19th century Mm -hmm. um which i think is exciting so yeah i that's about all all i can say i don't really want to say too much more because it's it, it i not I don't want to give too much away at this point, you know, mm-hmm. so, but it's, it's going to be exciting. I think it's going to be good. All right. Well, uh, Chris, uh, as we're winding down here, uh, one of our, our regular features, we love asking creators about their pets. We heard them a little bit before. Tell us about your dog. <laughs> My dog is Obi. OBI. Um, he is a Staffordshire Terrier, uh, which is a, uh, pit bull um he is rambunctious can be loud but he's a love he's he's the most loving and he, he's a cuddle bug oh he loves to cut he's he's a lap dog but he's gigantic so <laughs> so it's hard but um but he he's a cuddle bug. he loves to be swaddled in blankets <laughs> uh he's just constantly i i i think i posted on twitter a picture of him i the picture was him in like blankets with like his head resting on a pillow and the tweet was something like uh obi's upset because he heard that some of you weren't going to order the trade by the <laughs> um but it's, he's just he loves to just be covered in blankets and to be lying on blanket he refuses to lie down on like just hardwood floor <laughs> he's got to lie down on a blanket or a carpet or something um but yeah he's he's just he's he's a good boy love it love it uh what are you reading right now what am i reading right now i just finished the ecstatics omnibus and i i'm i've never read age of apocalypse i've been going back deep diving into x-men stuff and i don't know why okay um but i i, I bought the x-men age of apocalypse omnibus a while ago and I feel like now's the time that I'm actually going to read it. I don't know if I don't know what your guys' feeling on it is. I don't know if it's good. I I've it definitely seems very 90s. 
Uh, and that's what I, I always kind of, I, you know, when I was a kid, one of the, one of the introductions to comics was like these like guide to books. I don't know sure. if you remember those, yeah. but like they were guide to X-Men, guide to Superman. Yeah. Like the, the DK League. books. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So in, in those, they, they were written in the nineties. So they were all like nineties books. So if you read the Batman one, it's like 90% of the stuff you're reading is from, uh, uh, the, the what's the the one with Azrael? Uh, Nightfall, Nightfall, the Nightfall. Nightfall. Yeah. yeah. So it's all it's all the stuffs from Nightfall, all of it. Like most of it is from Nightfall, and if it's not from Nightfall, then it's No Man's Land. Uh, same thing with the X Men book. It's like a majority of it is, um, what? Well, uh, yeah, all that Batman stuff I love because it's you know under the watch fly of Danny O'Neill. Mm-hmm. Um, but all the X-Men stuff was all the 90s stuff. You know, you have the Jim Lee X-Men stuff, but you also have a lot of the stuff about Age of Apocalypse. And I was always kind of fascinated by this idea of like the alternate history aspect of it. Yeah. Um, so I'm really excited to actually dive into it and read it for the first time. Um, I hope I enjoy it. I always liked Apocalypse as a character and always kind of thought he was, like, you know, pretty fun. So hopefully I, I enjoy it. Uh, I guess I'll have to report back to you guys. But in terms of modern books, I talked about Treadmore's uh, Doctor Strange. Really loved that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, re- I read some mixed reviews of Gold Goblin by Christopher Cantwell, and I can't believe it because I think it's fantastic. Um, I honestly can't believe the review. <laughs> I was like, what are you guys talking about? I thought there's so much. There's some really cool stuff. There's that one page where he's going down in the elevator and Gwen Stacy's ghost is with him. And I'm like, oh my God, it's so, that's, I don't know. It's really cool stuff. Uh, likewise, his, his name where I'm reading. Um, what else am I reading? Uh, Briar by Christopher Campbell again. And what else am I reading? I'm reading other stuff that's not Christopher Campbell. Uh, <laughs> the 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 new Star Trek series. I really like that. Mm. Trying to think. There's I'm I, I used to have a pile of right over here and I could have grabbed it, but it it's been moved. <laughs> um, my girlfriend doesn't necessarily like my piles of comics that I leave everywhere. There's literally comics everywhere. I'm not kidding. There's literally like everywhere, like every room in the Here's one. <laughs> Jerome. Uh, have you guys uh, been following along on the Patreon? Jesse Lonergan's Patreon? Oh, Lonergan. Um, okay. But he printed these out uh, for New York Comic Con. They're like ma- magazine, or not magazine, but newspaper size. It's really cool. Like, What's the other one? The other Lonergan when we had him on? Uh, uh, Hedra? Yes. Oh God! I know, I know that for the for the listeners, they can't hear it or they can't see it, but um, it's shapes. We just saw a whole bunch of shapes. <laughs> it's yeah. just beautiful, a lot beautiful of shapes. <laughs> he does really interesting things with the grid. Oh, absolutely! Um, Hell yeah! I don't think anybody does stuff like him. You know, and I, if you read Hedra, you know mm-hmm. that. Um, you know, he, he's just doing things that other people aren't doing right now. Um. Uh, and what else? Uh, I'm trying to think, because I, I I need to have a better list, just like offhand, just like rattle things up. Bruce Campbell, Sergeant Rocks. Yes. Oh, <laughs> do you guys read Ice Cream Man? Do you guys like Ice Cream Man? 
I, I haven't read it, but I've heard nothing but good things. Actually, no, that's not true. I've read a couple issues, but I haven't read the whole thing. Check it out. I, I really love that series. What else am I reading? I don't know. I read a lot of stuff, so it's kind of hard to It's all good. Yeah. It, it all blurs uh, together. And this question always ends up being a gotcha. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's, you know, it's. I'm trying to, I wish that I had a better uh, list offhand. But I, I, I've said this before and I'll say it again. I really, truly believe that we are living through this, like this great moment in comics because there's so many good books out there. Absolutely. I can go to this, I can go to the store and leave with like just a handful, not even a handful, but like pile of just like excellent books that came out in any particular week. So <laughs> it, it's always a good week for comics. There's never a slow week. It's always a good week. Well, I, I I tell you what, Chris, I think it's always a good week for comics is a good note to, to wrap things up That's on. True. This is always been, a good week for comics. There you go. Yeah, this, is, this has been a fantastic time. Final <laughs> uh, currently loaded question as we release you back into the world. How can people follow you online and keep up with everything you have? Going um, on? Well, if Twitter implodes, you can find me elsewhere. Uh, <laughs> uh, I am on Twitter. I am on uh, Hive, but I don't really use it because it doesn't really load. Um <laughs> I am on uh, Mat- Mastodon. I almost called it Matador. That's not what it is. Um, I'm on, I'm on Mastication. Yeah. <laughs> you get chewed up and spit out. Um, and Isn't that all uh, social media? Instagram. <laughs> I am on all of those as at Christoph Condon. Christopher without the E-R. Um, so all of those you can find me at Christoph Condon I am also uh, I I partake in the Patreon uh, business with Jacob Phillips you can find us at patreon.com slash Condon Phillips and we just released some fantastic new merch I don't know if you guys saw it online but it's uh, essentially it's this uh, it's like a black shirt and it's got the RQK smile and eyes on it it's pretty cool looking um, and that's exclusively on our Patreon. So if you're on the Patreon, grab them. Um, I don't think we've decided to make them public or not. Uh, but yeah, it, you know, the Patreon essentially, you know, so uh, we have exclusive content every month, um, newsletters. I do a podcast every month. Uh, my latest guest was Malachi Ward, but I've had um, Sean Phillips, uh, Sam Hamm, um, a bunch of bunch of bunch of great comic uh writers artists um i did jake jake uh is supposed to interview me at some point and we haven't done that yet <laughs> um yeah rich duek um we, we we have creators of all all stripes um on it um and also if you're in the six and ten dollar tier i write a physical letter to you every month um so you get a signed letter from me in the mail um and if you're in the ten dollars tier, you also get a postcard uh, which jake designs um so it's either it, it's either an exclusive reveal of like a cover for you only uh so like the rqk issue 19 cover which is mm-hmm. one of my all-time favorite covers that jake has done um that was a postcard that we sent out to our patreon subscribers so that they saw that before anybody else um but we have one this month or last month from November that I'm just sending out now. Um, that is fantastic. It's hilarious. I'll have to send you guys a, an image of it, but it's, it's, it's really cool. Um, and I think people are going to get a kick out of it. It's pretty funny. And it was all Jake's idea. I can't lay, lay credit on, or claim credit for it. Um, 
but yeah, you can find us on Patreon and, and all good social medias. If there is a good social media. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Well, Chris, thank you so much for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me. This was fantastic. I had a great time. That's it for this week's show. As a reminder, WMQ&A is part of Comics XF, where you can find this podcast along with our sister podcast, Battle of the Atom, and Bat Chat with Matt and Will, co-hosted by Matt Lazowitz and our bud Will Nevin. You can listen to WMQ&A on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Audible, and at ComicsXF.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support WMQ&A at Patreon.com slash WMQComics, where a dollar donation gets you early access to episodes, shoutouts on the podcast, and a free comic in the mail for my collection. A $2 donation gets you a slot in the ComicsXF staff picks. A $3 donation gets you access to our bonus podcast, Our Son Pete, a deep dive into the appearances of British mutant super spy Pete Wisdom, and a $50 donation lets you advertise on the show. Big thanks to our patrons, Charlie Davis, Robert Secundus, Cap Purcell, Liz Large, and Will Nevin from ComicsXF, Carla Pacheco, Mike Sagawa, and Asimov Fangirl, a.k.a. the Loyalist Content Consumer. You can follow WMQ&A on Twitter at WMQComics, me at Daniel P. Grote, Matt Lazowitz at MattLess1013, and ComicsXF at ComicsXF. And until next week, remember, Pete Wisdom was actually the first character to ever say, to me, my X-Men. W-N-Q-A. W-N-Q-A.